This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Red Nation News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Here, joined by co-host Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, not bad. So, uh, just a disclaimer before we start the pod, we're kind of running out of things to talk about uh, because the Rockets are really, really good, and it makes it really difficult to talk about a team that's damn good. Um, you know, we kind of ran into this problem last year, but we, we we worked through it because it was a new team. Like it was, there was a lot of new parts. Uh, we're still trying to figure this team out, but I feel like we have like 80% of this team figured out. Like at this point, I know Chris Paul just came back, but I I don't think that it's going to change the way this team plays that much. And it's going to make it a lot harder to talk about going forward. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not wrong. I mean, I think there will be, uh, some, some changes and we'll get a more full view of how this team's going to look with Chris Paul in there. But yeah, if, for example, in the scenario where it's pretty much the same as it is now, if we keep seeing games look similar to these games, yeah, uh, it's good and bad. And by that, I mean, it's really good except for a little bit boring, maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, God, imagine what it'd be like to be like a, a the Warriors yeah. podcast. Like <laughs> they're probably like running out of stuff to talk about till May. I mean, but yeah. Uh, nonetheless, we do have some some stuff to talk about, and uh, to get to get more of a flow to the podcast, we're gonna ask you guys to email us in questions rednishnoops at gmail dot com. Uh, email questions in, and we'll answer them on the podcast for mailbag. Because we're gonna bring in more regular guests just to keep it going. Like, but. Uh, I just I just felt like I wanted to be honest with you guys. We are running out of stuff to talk about because this team is really really good, and it's it feels like it feels like we know what we're looking at right now. Yeah, you know how they say it. Sometimes NBA teams uh, just want to get through the regular season to get to the playoffs, which are the real season. Uh, I think we're kind of seeing that a little bit. That with with this team, it's that good. With a team that's just looking forward to the playoffs, we're like the team just looking forward to the playoffs and not really worrying too much about the regular season once right. we know how good they are the rest of the thing right and and, and the, the thing is we will have stuff to talk about because this team is still very interesting and stuff will come up you know injuries happen which we, we, we don't want that to happen but inevitably through the course of an 82 game season someone's going to tweak their ankle or something um and that'll make stuff interesting you know like again um there's going to be we're going to go through a tougher stretch of the schedule which will become you know very uh, interesting to talk about where they place where they face a real legitimate Western Conference playoff teams, uh, but right now, I mean, it's been kind of a cakewalk for the Rockets. Uh, they've been 
cruising. But let's go ahead and talk about the first game of the week uh, in Toronto. This was kind of a bad loss. Yeah, it was the worst loss they've had this season, I think. Right. In their defense, like they it was three games and four nights and but it even with that being said, it was still bad. The defense was atrocious. Offensively they they looked like they were dragging their feet in mud, and I think you talked about this on your recap. It was just like overall like and people were complaining about the officiating and I'm just kinda like uh, you know, like when when a team when you're playing bad, like I, I don't really like the officiating complaints. Like when you're playing well and and you know the game goes down to the wire, and an official makes a mistake. That's you know, that might be a time to complain about officiating. But this game was like there were a lot of there were a lot of things that the Rockets could have done to prevent themselves from being the, from being in, the, in that situation. <laughs> yeah, they had the choice not to be in that situation. Uh, well, maybe not choice, but if they had played like they normally do, they wouldn't have been in that situation. The only question is like is was that possible for them to have played that well or not? Right, defensively they looked bad, and uh, and I think a lot of this was because they were tired, and it was three games and four nights. But at the same time, like you got to have better effort than that if you want to be a legitimate championship contender. Uh, they were shooting forty one percent from the field and thirty percent from the three point line. Yeah, they did not shoot the ball well in this game, um, and they got to the free throw line plenty. It it was just a matter of like. They were just bad, man. Like, like there was no other way to put this in other than they were bad. And Toronto was good. They, they Toronto's kind of on a roll right now, and uh, they the Rockets kind of caught them at a bad time. But uh, they got to the free throw line at will. Uh, they, they they just they played no defense in the paint. Their rim protection was really bad. Clinton wasn't really good in this game. Um, yeah, it was it wasn't a good, it wasn't a great game. <laughs> no, it certainly wasn't. I, mean, I, I I sort of talk about this, but I think that they were always going to have a game like this. They've been kind of playing with fire with how much they were playing James Harden and, uh, and you know Trevor Reese, a couple other players. they just been doing too much. They didn't have much of a choice because without Chris Paul there, they all had to kind of compensate, play not only more, but also play outside the roles a little bit to make sure the offense kept flowing. Uh, it, it was always going to happen sooner or later, and it's not surprising that it happened toward the end of that run. Uh, that without Chris Paul, that they just eventually didn't have it. They played a good team. Toronto is a legitimately actually good team in this league, one of like seven teams. So it's it's not really a shameful loss, really, uh, because there's a lot of reasons why that went on. And I think there's a lot of reason to believe that if they played the Raptors again tomorrow, say, uh, you would not see the same result at all. But it was certainly embarrassing at the time, and it was by far the ugliest loss they've had this year. Right, uh, they won six games in a row going into that game. And going into that game, um, the minutes were starting to add up, and I felt like that was a big issue for this for this game. James Harden did not shoot the ball well. Um, he got to the free throw line plenty, which kind of made up for that. But uh, overall, from the field, he was eight for twenty-five, three for 11, three from eleven from three. He got to the free throw line nineteen times, which kind of made up for it, <laughs> and he scored thirty-eight points. Um, and he got 11 assists. I mean, like you, he, he, he still played well enough to where uh, shoot, his shooting didn't really impact it. But still, uh, not the best Harden game. Eric Gordon shot three for 12 from the field, 0 for 7 from the three point line. Uh, Ryan Anderson did not play like Ryan Anderson, two for six from three point line. Uh, Clint Capella had a double double, but but his rim protection was awful, as I said earlier. Yeah, bad loss. That something yeah. the Rockets might go look past. I think you can always tell when the strain is getting to James Harden, especially, and you can see how his defense is going. 
the more because he he conserves energy on defense first. Uh, if he's really right. destroyed, his his whole game falls apart. But that's anybody anybody who's totally uh, out of juice like he was at the end of the last playoffs will do that. But yeah, if you see his defense falling off, like he's just giving less effort there, that's a telltale sign that he's just exhausted mostly. So uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a different team game. now. Uh, next game in Phoenix. This game was kind of ridiculous. Uh, the Rockets' offense was just completely ludicrous. Uh, Ninety points in the first half. God, that was the that was an NBA record. Like they were third uh, most points scored in a half. Uh, the last time they any team scored more was in was in uh, the nineties. The Denver Nug- against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I think it might have been the Phoenix Suns that did this. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it was. And the Rockets came close to breaking it, but. Um, yeah, their their offense was completely ridiculous. Chris Paul came back and he looked good. He he st- uh, he was on a administration for twenty minutes per game, uh, eleven points, seven assists, two steals. Um, he lo- he looked completely comfortable out there. Uh, obviously, he still he still got to get their, his wind back, and that's why that's probably the main res- the main reason for his minutes restriction. James Harden was spectacular: forty eight points, twenty two shots, uh, and seven assists. Um, anything, I think he had three steals too. It was a ridiculous game for from James Harden. Yeah, that was an intense game. I mean, if you were asking for uh, what's the best possible way that the game could turn out, it'd be pretty similar to that. Uh, the offense looked absolutely unstoppable, and it was absolutely relentless. The only reason that they didn't score more points is because there was no reason to score more points later on. Uh, <laughs> the second half, they they scored way less and they still scored 30 in the third quarter and that was a disappointment so right <laughs> the offense was definitely clicking with chris paul up there uh you would find no reasons to worry about the the team adjusting to chris paul from that game and uh i guess to play devil's advocate their defense was bad uh they had like a 110 defensive rating in that game which is not good at the same time if, you, if you're if you're scoring 90 points and a half man the defense doesn't even matter like it's it just yeah. it's just like like it's, yeah. it's so crippling to the other team and the other team was like the Phoenix was just struggling to keep up. It was just, it was just too much. It's just too much. When the Rockets are playing like that offensively, there's a, there's only one team in the league that can catch up. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the plan. Uh, as long as you get that margin, it doesn't matter which end you get the margin from. Right. It was a good, good win. Not, not the, not the best one of the week. The best one of the week was definitely in Memphis. This was a high, high quality win. Uh, the pace was slow. Um, Memphis, lar- in large part, dictated the pace. Um, the defense started off sloppy, but they really, really tightened up in the second half. Particularly that third quarter. They, I think they allowed like less than 20 points in that third quarter, which is really, really good. Chris Paul looked great. Uh, 17 points, 7 assists, 2 steals. Great win for the Rockets, honestly. Uh, yeah, it was some pretty sweet revenge against a team that had the indignity to beat them two times in one season. Right, and uh, you know, you know what was great about that win? Chris Paul it destroyed the Grizzlies' second unit. I mean, how unfair is it that when when you you have you have <laughs> successfully defended James Harden for as for how well you can successfully defend him? And he goes to the bench, and Chris Paul checks in the game. Like, how, how ridiculous is that? Like, like I would be. I tweeted about this. I would be furious if I was an opposing team. <laughs> I'd see James Harden checking in, uh, checking out of the game, and that's usually when you can catch up to catch up, right? That's usually when when the star goes out of the game. That's what usually when you can start start your run. But 
Chris Paul checks in and keeps that lead. Well, Kyle is on top of that lead. Yeah, and and consider the following, right? They have a kind of a weird rotation too, where Chris Paul and James Harden's swap offs don't exactly follow like the typical uh, bench unit in and out that NBA teams do. So there's a very real chance that you're asking your your bench units. You know, you're like usually what like the, the fourth best guy tends to be the best guy on the court at that time because teams usually have like an eight or nine guy rotation so you're looking at like guys number four through nine or so and asking them to not only be able to guard a james harden run offense but also to know how to guard a chris paul run offense at the same time that's asking so much of bench units and they're gonna do this to so many teams who just are not gonna have the wherewithal to to, to make up for it like they're going to extend leads with their bench and that's huge in this league especially in the regular season right like again like when when james harden goes to the bench the offense was really bad for the first 17 games or so and uh when chris paul came back like that offensive rating when harden sits it's not going to drop off that much man because you have one of the greatest you have one of the greatest point guards of all time conducting it and you have a spread floor um you have you have a a big man that's willing to roll to the basket uh and it just looked. It just, he just looked so comfortable out there, man. Like Chris Paul. Like I'm surprised how quickly they've they've clicked, man. Like yeah. Harden and, and 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 Paul found each other for open threes. They looked like they were comfortable playing off the basketball, and and they looked like they were they looked like they were fine together. And and obviously, like I don't want to I don't want to say that they're already you know 100% simpatico, but it's it'll take some time to get there. But I mean, they look they look pretty good, man. Like already yeah. they look pretty decent yeah they look like they're ahead of what everyone assumed the schedule was going to be obviously we don't know what their internal schedule is if they thought it would be uh this good at this point or not but the predictions of everybody else were you know uh not quite sure how it looked right away and they look fine like you said they the offense is clicking uh Chris Paul looks like he is adjusting to fit in with that system like he's still playing in his his Chris Paul probing kind of way but He's shooting a lot more threes. You know, he's uh, he's letting James Harden take more of the reins. He looks like he's doing all the things that he said he was going to do. Uh, and as long as that keeps up, this is going to be a deadly team. Right. And I want to ask you about this because it, it, it's something that I've heard people brought up. And I, I kind of agree with the sentiment. The fact that Chris Paul was out for the first month, I, I think it might have been a good thing. Because you got a chance to integrate the back line of your bench. You got a, you got a chance to integrate... P.J. Tucker, Nene, uh, not Nene, uh, Lukumba, Mute, all your new pieces, Tariq Black, all those guys, and you you got a, Chris Paul got a chance to watch the offense from afar, staying on the bench, um, and everything everybody got into a rhythm. So when 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 Paul came back, you just had to integrate that one piece, and that one piece had been watching your offense for seventeen games. He, yeah, it, it, and it, it felt like he knew where to be on the floor at, at every point of the game. And he looked like he it looked like he knew the rhythm of the game. Like he played fast. He played like he played like a fast point guard. Yeah, uh, I think it's totally plausible. I mean, obviously, we can't know what the the counter positive would have been. Like we don't we don't live in that universe where Chris Paul didn't get hurt, so we don't we can't compare those two scenarios. But uh, it definitely seems like uh, that's totally plausible. I I mean, if you have a guy on the bench watching how the offense works what player would you rather be cerebrally uh, dissecting this live video every single night than Chris Paul? If anybody can learn from watching, it's him. Who's, you know, he probably understands offense better than anyone in the league, except somehow James Harden. 
Which, by the way, can we talk right. about that these two guys who are playing together are probably the most just brilliant offensive maestros in the league right now? Yeah, I mean, James Harden's been at an, on another level, and I want to get to this in like a, a second. I, I, I want to uh, another disclaimer here. I, I really don't want to talk about James Harden's MVP candidacy, but I feel like we kind of have to at this point. I feel like I, I'm jaded. <laughs> yeah, the issue's getting forced. Right, like, I, like I, I think you you and I are both equally jaded about talking about the MVP race and Harden. Uh, the fan base is jaded. Like, I hear a lot of that in my mentions. Like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. But, like, it, it it's just you kind of have to at this point because Harden's kind of – He's again, like like you said, he has forced the issue. He's been absolutely incredible. He's averaging thirty one points per game on sixty two percent true shooting, um, which only twenty thirteen fourteen Kevin Durant has done. Like and Kevin Durant in twenty thirteen fourteen had one of the greatest offensive seasons of all time. Like to, and to, for him for Harden to be in that class um, is just, I mean, okay. And, and one more thing before we get into this, I I, I want to say something to the fan base because Harden went down in that Phoenix game. And uh, my heart kind of skipped a beat in that game. When when he went down, he bumped knees, and um, he was fine. Like he came back in the, after that quarter. Like I just want to live. You got to enjoy this man while you have him. Like because you never know when something when, when something's gonna happen. Like you never know when like when Harden knock on wood. You know you never know when he gets an injury. Whenever when, whenever he's gonna whenever he goes down and he doesn't come back up. Right because you know we've had some close calls there. Um, he he's avoided injuries thus far, and you're probably not going to get another player like this for another 20 years. Like the last player of this caliber that the Rockets had was Hakeem Olajuwon. That was 20 years ago. Like right, like prime Hakeem Olajuwon yeah. was on the Houston Rockets 20 years ago, and you're probably not going to get another player for another 20 years. Yeah, like that. That this is the best Rockets this. team. Yeah, this is the best Rockets team of the past 20 years, and probably ever. Which right. I mean, it's a weird thing to say, but they're better than those Rockets team that won championships because, in large part, the like the top of the league is more competitive. Uh, this is this is an incredible team. Like I've been looking for the stats on this team because I am blown away by it. Uh, and let's segue into that for a minute. That this team is better than any other Rockets team we've ever watched by every advanced metric. They are like they but all their single rating systems that people use this is easily the best team the rockets ever had and it's also at a level that usually that doesn't usually even happen in nba seasons the best team in the league is usually not as good as this rockets team they are so far you know it's only been a quarter of a season or so but they're as legit as it gets they just have the bad fortune of existing at the same time as the warriors no i completely agree like Again, their net rating is net rating is like eight point eight or something like that. That's that's stupid. Like that's just stupid. Like they're outscoring teams by an average of basically nine points per hundred one hundred possession. Do you, do you want to know their November splits? <laughs> Go ahead, man. All right, their net rating is first at sixteen point one in November. That is the net. <laughs> their offensive right. rating is one hundred seventeen point eight. This is all from NBA.com, by the way. Uh, different places score it differently, but this is the easiest place to find splits on. So their number one offensive rating. There's a number eight offensive rating in November at one hundred one point seven. Uh, there, by the way, their three point shooting is crazy. They shoot like fifty three percent of their shots from three point range, which is unprecedented. This team is incredibly good. Then in November, they have been 
even more incredibly good than they were in October. Uh, so we'll see how this keeps going. You know, obviously you never know what's going to happen going forward. Uh, we, we can assume probably that they're going to keep this up with Chris Paul in there, but every game's a different adventure. We'll see how it goes. They're not going to win every single game by 15 points, but God damn, if they're not trying. Right. Um, I, I, I think the point you brought up about th- their three point attempts is, is, is valid. And man, like, to see Chris Paul shooting uh, as many three-pointers as he's shooting, it's just weird. Because I've watched Chris Paul, he's one of my favorite players of all time. Like, uh, a little secret about me. I, I watched a lot of Clippers games, more than I'm comfortable admitting. Because <laughs> I'm just I'm just, hu- I'm just, just a huge Chris Paul fan. I've never seen him shoot three-pointers like this. Like, the, like he's just, he's chunking it up there. Like, he's, like, I'm eyeballing it. I haven't looked at the numbers. He's probably shooting around two more threes per uh, 100 possessions than uh, in, in, in L.A. Because he's getting he's getting that three ball up there, he's lowered his mid range attempts per game. He's not he hasn't completely limited that shot from his game, which it's good. He's pretty good at it. He probably shouldn't eliminate that shot, but I mean, yeah, I mean the Rockets have been ridiculous these past few games. In the past nine games, they they're the number one offensive rating in the league, which surprised me. They're better than the Warriors in that stretch, and the Warriors have really caught fire lately. Um, and they're shooting forty percent from the three point line over those past nine games, which is really, really good. Like, that's six in the league. They're cat- they're, they're regressing the mean uh, in terms of three-point percentage. They're right now at 35.3% from beyond the arc, which is basically right around where they were last season. And I think they can get better. I think yeah. they can get better. I, I think having Chris Paul back, that's another really great three-point shooter. So I think their percentages are going to get better. And I think Ryan Harrison's going to get get. You know, regress to the mean. He's a forty percent career three point shooter, basically, and he's shooting like thirty seven percent. So I, th- I think, I think they'll even they'll get even better from there. And their defense has a lot of room to improve. And and yet they're a top ten defense. They're top now. ten, they're, yeah, right. By all metrics, Basketball Reference and NBA dot com, they have climbed into the top ten in defensive rating. And a, lar- a large part of that is because they've just gotten healthy and they've gotten all their pieces back and they start- they're starting to understand the system. And a lot like this is year two in Jeff Bezdelic's system and they're switching a lot more. Ryan Anderson looks really good on defense, which is weird. It's, it's-, it's weird to say, but it, it just be- continues to be a thing. Hey, if Kyrie Irving can do it. Right. I mean, it- Kyle wrote about this on uh, RedNationHoops.com. And I mean, you look at all the numbers. He's forcing twenty. He's he's forcing players to shoot twenty eight percent on him in isolation. Like, play, people look at Ryan Anderson and they they their eyes light up. Like they think they can they think they can crush this dude. And they try to iso on him, and he he, he could he usually blocks the shot or he, he he puts a pretty good contest up there, which is, I mean, it's surprising. And he's moving his feet pretty well. The rock and the Rockets again. They're getting healthy. Trevor Reza, uh He's played. Most of the season, um, and Lukamba Mute got just got came back from illness. Chris Chris Paul, All NBA defender, now back on your team. Now back on your team. He's he's gonna he's gonna defend the point of attack, which uh, is very important in today's NBA. Uh, and I, the Rockets are gonna benefit from that. That's one other quality defender, and the Rockets are gonna be deeper than they were before because of that. They have a solid nine guys now. Like that, those worries about Mike D'Antoni not you know playing these guys too many heavy minutes like those are gone now because now you got a, a so, your solid nine chris paul james harden trevor ariza ryan anderson clint capella nene eric gordon lukumba mute um and Tariq blacks somehow sneaked into the lineup which is which is surprising to me like he's playing third string minutes um 
during reg- while Nene is healthy. Like he played during that last game, which surprised me. Um, yeah, this team's been on a, on a crazy stretch. Hey, folks, Dave DeFore of On the NBA with Dave DeFore here. I'd like to talk to you about my friends over at Harry's, my go-to razor for a smooth, close, and comfortable shave. Almighty Baller Radio is the go-to network for NBA podcasts, but if you visit harrys.com slash ballers, you'll get a free trial set from Harry's and find out why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price. With top quality blades made in a German factory with over 100 years of blade making experience. You get a close, clean shave every time, 100% guaranteed, and at half the price of the leading five blade razor. So go to harrys.com slash ballers, B-A-L-L-E-R-S. Today, you'll get the free trial kit that has become my personal go-to every morning. A weighted ergonomic razor handle. Five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. A $13 value, this is all yours for free when you sign up, just by covering the cost of shipping. You're supporting the network here at Almighty Baller, but you're also making a great decision for yourself. The decision to find out how Harry's has fixed shaving for the ordinary guy. Check out that URL, harrys.com slash ballers. One more time, that's harrys.com slash ballers to receive a free trial shave set for just the cost of shipping. But back to the MVP race thing. Yeah. Because I, I don't want, I, again, I don't want to talk about this, but like, we just got to appreciate what we're seeing right now from Harden. Like, (laughs) this is like an all, this is a once in a generational offensive talent. Like one of the best, one of the best years Harden's ever. I think this is no. This is the best I've ever seen Harden play. This is his yeah. apex. Yeah, it's like a you know in the Matrix where uh, Neo can just like look at the walls and things and just see all the code. It's like Harden has, has everything got to slowed that point. down. Yeah, it's like Harden's got to that point. He can like he can see the lines between uh, realities or something. He understands offense in a way that really no one else in the league does. It's unbelievable. He doesn't make the like the the most crazy passes. Like if you look at Chris Paul, the actual passes themselves, like just the immediate moment of that pass is usually more impressive, right? He'll throw a crisper pass and Harden will. And that's often that's more flashy. But Harden sets up the offense to succeed every time from step one to step fifty. Uh, no one is better at picking apart a defense than James Harden is. It's amazing to watch. Like he he plays not solely based on his athletic gifts because he's not really that exceptional for an NBA player in that aspect. Like he's just some kind of mad genius. Uh, he is absolutely the MVP so far. There is really no argument to be had anymore. This over the past week or so, you know, everyone, everyone who talks about the league has started to talk about this here and there. And there is no debate. Everyone knows he's the MVP so far. And I actually think that Chris Paul being missing for the first season in a weird way, uh, could actually help a potential James Harden MVP campaign such as it is, which I think would be waged uh, by not so much by Rockets Twitter, who, as you've noted, have largely uh, given up on the idea of him ever winning MVP and just kind of don't want to talk about it. But uh, it's, it's been prime. They're talking about it right now. Yeah, that, okay, like, now. There's no choice. You have to. Uh, I mean, I, mean the, the, I haven't caved yet. Like, I'm not going to do it. Like, I refuse. I, I said this last season. I'm not going to campaign for him. I'll talk about him on this podcast because that's, that's our responsibility. Like, it, it would be irresponsible to talk about uh, James Harden's MVP candidacy on, on Rockets podcast. But I'm not going to do it on Twitter. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not like, 
I'm not subjecting myself to that headache again. Like it, he doesn't need anybody to campaign for him, though. It's just it's just self evident. Right, he's been ridiculous. He's clearly again. I, I I agree with you. He's clearly been the MVP of this first twenty games. And yeah, it's early, but I mean, do you really see this slowing down? Like, do you really see hard? Like, he's shooting ridiculous from the three point yeah, line. He'll play a few less minutes. He'll get a less counting stats a little bit. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like his efficiency is like the best it's ever been. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess Harden suddenly an elite three point shooter, which is weird. Like he's like like before when Harden shot shot like pull up threes it was a bad shot now it's just like man he's gonna make like half of those <laughs> yeah like he like like he's just going six for twelve like every night every other night now like that's it's so weird but it is it's happening like he's shooting like uh, he's shooting a bunch more three pointers and he's actually more efficient at it now which is so strange it's so so strange that he he just at age twenty eight what is he's age he's twenty eight right yeah I think he's twenty eight this season. Yeah, at age 28, he suddenly be- chose to become a better three-point shooter. That's, that's well, so weird to me. Well, we got three possibilities here. One is that it's just kind of a hot stretch, which it's with three-point shooting, you can never rule that one out. Any stretch right, might possible. just be unusual, no, even no matter how long it is. Uh, that's probably part of it. Uh, also, it's possible that he's getting better quality of three-point looks, uh, which with Chris Paul out there will increasingly be the case, I think. And the third possibility is that he just worked like a maniac over the offseason and just really drilled his three-pointers in a big way. It's probably a combination of all three of those things. Right, like, there's a possibility that he could hit this hard regression month, right? Like, that happens a lot with three-point shooting, uh, where you just shoot, like, 28% for a month and your percentage is yeah, level Yeah, but they out, had right? that for the first month. <laughs> Right, I mean, yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm in reference to James Harden. Like, I'm, I, I don't want to eliminate it, man. Like, he could go for the rest of November. He could shoot like twenty percent from the three point line. But I, I mean, every game that like, I'm waiting for a regression. Like the last two games before this, before this uh, game in Memphis, like I thought, I thought they were gonna regress. Uh, Harden was gonna regress pretty hard because he, he shot pretty terribly those, those uh, in Phoenix and uh, in Toronto and the game before that, and then he just. The last two games, he's he's just he's just shot like amazingly from beyond the arc. And again, I, I we don't know what three point shooting. Again, like you said, it's very tricky. It, it, this could very much be a hot stretch. It's only been twenty games, but I mean, he's shooting it so confidently, and he's shooting it like like I've never seen him shoot it. Like his his stroke looks really nice, and he's gonna get better quality looks with Chris Paul out there. He's gonna get more catch and shoot opportunities, um, and he's. And I found this this neat stat from Kelly Scaletta about like every time he passes to three point uh to three point shooters they shoot five percent better from three which is strange <laughs> right but it's it's tr- it's true like he's he's getting guys open looks and those guys are shooting better off his passes than anybody else on the team. Yeah, he is very good at making sure guys are in the right place in the right situation to score very well. Uh, yeah, I I don't think this is going to really change very much. Honestly, I think that especially as a they're shooting more and more threes per game. That's how you even these things out. Like the the higher number, the higher volume you shoot, uh, the more your numbers become less volatile. And that's what they want. Weirdly, weirdly, they don't want as much volatility right now because they're very good. They want to play their strengths and even that and even it out. They want to shoot enough threes such that if they have like a shooting slump of like five shots or something, it you know it'll pass as well. So, and I think it's what you're seeing too. They're getting their points. Uh, 
even during his games where they score eight thousand points, there are still some shooting slumps in there. Like against that against the Grizzlies the other day, the Grizzlies had a fifteen and zero run when the Rockets just couldn't hit anything. It didn't matter. Right. Like it, again, like when you shoot that many threes, it evens out in the end. The they just outmatch teams like all the time. I think you wrote about this in, in their last game, right? Like it's it's just it's just a math problem for everybody, man. Like they like when when, when they when they hit their threes, the, it's over. And even when they don't hit their threes, they're they're shooting so many of them that their percentage. I mean, it really doesn't matter at that point because again, that's 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 still it, you're still shooting enough three pointers to where the other team just can't keep up. And the Rockets have enough quality shooters to where. They'll make you pay for points in the game, and it, it's, it's it's just too much for teams to handle. Yeah, they're bending and breaking defenses, and it's really amazing to see. It's pretty wild. Right now in the NBA, we have the, the Rockets, which are some kind of otherworldly offense, and the Celtics, who are somehow some kind of otherworldly defense at the same time. And I really cannot wait to see those teams play against each other. I want to see what that looks like. They're the inverse of each other, huh? They really are. In fact, if you look at, if you look at a BPI on ESPN, they're like literally the inverse of each other in terms of like offensive and defensive scores. We don't don't make the MVP case; it doesn't necessary. Don't worry about who's going to win the MVP; you can't control it. Uh, like, don't just expect to, him to enjoy it. Yeah, man. just enjoy, enjoy how good it. he is. Right, like, 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 and that's what I'm. That that's what I've been trying to do this year. Uh, like, he's just been kind of a treasure, man. Like, I, 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 it's, it is a real possibility this is going to be the best Rockets player of my lifetime. Like, and you just have to, like, enjoy that. Like, that it's because you're never going to, like, instead of trashing him on the radio for game six or making jokes about it, it, like, forget his flaws. Enjoy what he's really, really freaking good at, which is everything else, right? Like, <laughs> everything else, every other aspect of the game, of the defense, he's incredible at. And, it's just it's just a marvel it's really fun to watch because like he does stuff per, like there was a lob play in that Grizzlies game where the defenders were all up on Harden Capella they they were in transition too and i don't know how the hell Harden got this, got this ball up i'll i'll tweet this after the pod, after we record the podcast but i don't know how the hell he got this ball up in transition but he did and it connected on a on a Capella lob and he does stuff like that every game where it's just like how like how like only like two or three players in the NBA make the kind of passes he does. LeBron, Chris Paul, and James Harden, and th- and two of those three guys are on the Rockets. Yeah, this game, this team and their star are unbelievable. Uh, which is, I don't know. I think this season especially, people always get touchy about their teams, want to want to defend their teams. There is no reason to like defend on twitter the this rockets team what's what's even the point all you need to just watch a team and enjoy it if someone doesn't like the rockets that's fine you can watch rockets beat that team it's, they're they're incredibly good they don't need anybody to like defend them they're doing a perfectly good job on their own so j- just have fun with it and don't don't worry about any of the other stuff just en- enjoy the amazing show we're watching every single night and try and try to pick it apart the same way that harden and uh and Chris Paul pick apart other teams' defenses. Hey, oh, I, I I had them at fifty four wins going into the season. They're right now they're on pace to destroy that prediction, um, and you know rightfully so. I mean they've been they they deserve it. They've played excellent on offense and defense, and right now right now they're clearly one of the best teams in the NBA. Which brings me to my next point: people need to be, need to start showing up to this game, man. These games, yeah, like no it, it's it's. It's really, really annoying how bad the Rockets look on on television. Like I, I watch every game. I go to the arena. I see it in person, and 
nobody like especially these the, the lower bowl. I don't I don't know what's going on with the Rockets. Like it's 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 been a thing for two years now, two or three years now. The Rockets just can't seem to fill up the, the arena, and I'm not sure if it's ticket prices, um, or if it's fans showing up late to the games. But if it's fans showing up late to the games, get in your seat, man. Like I, I don't get why why would you show up late to this game? Like just like. They're a damn good basketball team, and and you they look really bad when you when you're not in your seat before the game. Yeah, I was especially uh, speaking of the fans. On a similar note, in that, again, in that game against Cleveland, there it seemed like half the audience was was LeBron James fans, which is fine. LeBron James is a great guy, but come on, don't cheer for the other team in your own home. That's just. It, that really disappointed me. That really pissed me off. I did not like that at all. I did not understand why Houston fans were sitting there cheering for LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Every time I'd look away and I'd hear like a cheer for a ref call, I would say, oh, that must have gone Houston's way. But no, it would go Cleveland's way. Uh, Houston fans are not really acquitting themselves particularly well right now. Maybe maybe once everyone finally gives up on the Texans and there's not any Astros games being played, a few of them will show hey, up. Hey, hey, hold on. And this is my, this, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. That's why they should be rooting for this team, man. The Texans are awful. They're an awful organization. They're awfully managed. They're they're and here here's why I need to calm down a little bit. But they they need to like they need to give up on the Texans, man. Like what 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 has what have the Texans given you over the past ten years to to rally behind them year after year after year and sell out that arena? Like I don't get like I don't get why this why this this team why the city can't rally around the Rockets. I. I I, it just it makes no sense to me. Like it, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Like the the Rockets are really really freaking good. They have not not one but two superstars right now, and usually that's enough to fill out an arena. And people are making jokes about the Rockets fan base, man. And I, I know that the Rockets fans are passionate. I hear them on I see them on Twitter. Like they have one of the best online communities out of NBA, any NBA team in the NBA. Like they have one one of the best, and they they just don't show up, man. Like I and. This, the numbers back this up. Basketball Reference says they're 28th. Uh, ESPN.com says they're 15th or 16th. They should be in the top 10, man. At least. Yeah, at least. This team is too good to not warrant your attention and to fill the seat. Like, get in your damn seat for the game. I know Houston is full of people who can afford those expensive lower bowl tickets. Right. Like, and like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get like you know. I don't want to seem like it should be a no-brainer to afford those tickets, right? Like it's obviously very exp- expensive. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know lower bowl, but <laughs> <I'm> poor. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and and at the same time, like the Rockets need to be doing something about this too, right? Like this has been an ongoing problem. Like one dollar hot dogs aren't going to solve anything, man. Like I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like it, it didn't work in the playoffs, and it's probably not going to work in the regular season. Like you guys have to find a way to fill this arena. Like this is just. It's it's completely embarrassing for the Rockets, and com- frankly, for a team that's this good, it's just unacceptable. Like, it, like I was listening to the Open Floor, which is a SI podcast about the NBA, um, and they were just clowning the Rockets' home home court. Like, it, like they don't like the Rockets legitimately don't have like a home court advantage because of how empty the, the arena is. Like, that's unacceptable, man. It, it's just. I don't know, man. It, it makes me angry, especially since the Rockets are one of the best managed teams in town, one of the, one of the most exciting teams in town. They play a brand of basketball, which is really, really fun to watch. They shoot a lot of threes. Um, they they get to the paint like nearly every other possession. Like this should be a fun team to watch. That and yet the arena is empty every freaking day. Yeah, it's pretty grim. I don't really understand why it is. It's such a good team. I don't know why people aren't more loyal to it. Like when have they lost 
all this fan base? Like, what did they do? Is it just that they don't play in the Summit anymore? Like, I don't understand how they went from being so beloved to being just another has-run team, like, in the city of Houston. Other te- other cities don't have this problem. Only, like, Miami. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Why uh, Orlando, or Oakland was able to keep Oracle Arena filled up with people, even during the worst period of, of uh, the Warriors. So there's really no excuse for Houston not to have more people at these games. Right, and, like, the the facility is good, man. Like, I, I've been to the Toyota Center several times. It's only, like, 10, 10 or 12 years old. Like, it's it's a really, really good facility. Uh, and, you know, like, every, everything about it, like, nothing about that arena is deteriorating. Like, it, it's a fairly new arena, and... I just I don't I don't understand why why it's not getting packed every night. It's it's just weird because I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like and and fifty. I know I realize traffic on fifty nine is bad, but that's no excuse not to show up to the game. Set aside an hour to get to the game. Like it it, sh- it shouldn't be that bad. Yeah, they got to get more people more people in seats. Well, maybe they'll just have to. I mean, we'll see what it takes to get people to pay attention to them. I don't know if anything short of a championship would do it. So we'll see. Is it really the is it really that that they're, the Rockets are giving out too many of these corporate seats? Is that the problem? Maybe. I mean, those kind of seats typically people don't end up in because that's what corporate seats are like. They just use them as like you know treats or uh, or like uh, incentives for their employees and stuff. So you've seen them be pretty open. Maybe they just need to start charging way less for those seats that are on camera. <laughs> you know which seats they're going to be. Fill those ones up. Right. Like. It's frustrating because I know the fan base is strong. Like I, I, I see it every day. Uh, you know, like I know they're passionate. Like I, I know they love their Rockets. They just don't show up to the games, and they're not loud enough when they're there either. Like it, it's, it's kind of, it's frankly embarrassing to the franchise. It, they, they, it, it's a real problem, and they need, they need to find a way to fix it. The best teams in the league have really good audiences. Even the Heat, when when people started, when people made fun of the Heat in their heyday, like even they managed to fill up the arena. Uh, yeah, it just like, took a minute. Yeah. With, <laughs> right, like, they did, They were just a late arriving crowd. Like even this is a late arriving crowd. Even, and even when they show up, they're not there. Like they, like it's it's a late arriving crowd. That's not really a late ri- arriving crowd. Crowd like it, it, that's just a crutch. Yeah, it's it's no good. It's the only, it's the worst thing at the Rockets easily. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's. It's it's one thing that frustrates me to this day. Like, uh, and I I see them on League Pass and I see them in person. It's just it's so glaring that I, I don't know why it hasn't been like a bigger issue for the Rockets. Like, why why aren't they prioritizing getting people in that arena? Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's it's I guess it's above our pay grade, man. Um, yeah, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Red Asian Hoops and follow for us on Twitter at Do Nuts. And yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>